Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers. Welcome back to another episode of the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Chris Ballas and Anthony Broom on your Friday here to get your weekend started. Uh, we're going to discuss the Jim Harbaugh contract extension that was finally signed. It's a long time coming there, last couple of months. We'll, we'll discuss that. Some of the staff changes, spring ball starting on Monday, and then we'll get to basketball at the end. Of course, a big win last night over Iowa. Uh, but, fellas, let's start with the Jim Harbaugh contract of course it didn't come the day after even two days after three days after or a week after he had the interview with the vikings and came back to michigan but it's finally done uh the interesting things here uh he's up around eight million if you include the insurance policy which is a million dollars um and chris you had had some of those figures reported already you know the contract that was basically on the table ready for him to sign prior to the whole flirtation with the vikings then the buyout is another one, three million dollars this coming year, but it goes down each each year and basically dissolves to I think nothing within four years, if that's correct. Yes. Um. So that's interesting. There, I was looking up the top buyouts in college football. You got Jimbo Fisher at like fifty or something or thirty. Some of these guys are up over wow. twenty. It's insane. You can't leave. Um. And you know, I guess it makes sense. It's like if you're gonna if you're gonna pay a guy like Jimbo like eleven million a year or whatever it is, you you want to make sure he's not gonna jump ship like he did to, to come to your school, if you're Texas A&M. But uh, your guys' thoughts on on all that, because I think a lot of people figured, all right, once he came back from Minnesota, Ward might as well crank that buyout out. Uh, but, it, you know, it didn't play out like that. Yeah, and we did say that it was a $7.6 million was what one of our sources saw, and that was for the last year of the deal. It starts at seven, But with that 403B contribution, that pushes it up there. And we said we didn't know the other details, you know, of, of what was in there. That makes it much more competitive, in my opinion, with the other guys in the East. It's not Mel Tucker money, but that's just stupid, guys, let's be honest here, uh, to pay that kind of money just so a guy doesn't leave. It was basically to save face so he wouldn't go to LSU and you wouldn't look like a laughing stock again is essentially why they paid him that much money. That and for two wins over Michigan, including one when – half of Michigan's team wasn't there, right, uh, in 2020. And I'm not making excuses. That was a bad football team, and the culture was terrible. But if you have a couple guys back there, uh, you know, Nico Collins, Ambry Thomas, who are now both playing in the pros, you got a different team. So, But regardless, uh, I the one thing about the buyout that I'll say, and I think I have a different view of this now than I did before, uh, Jim Harbaugh was probably always going to flirt with the NFL at one point, and I think they knew that when they hired him. Uh, he was at the end of his seven-year deal, which is what he agreed to with Michigan, seven years. Um, number two, uh, Ward Manuel has asked him every year, how are you feeling about the NFL? You know, understanding that that itch was still going to be there. So the last thing you do is hold a guy hostage and make him even more bitter after last year's contract that cut his pay in half by saying, you sign this, you know, you're not going anywhere when a guy has these aspirations. And, and to me, uh, it's, I just wrote a column on this and I put it up. I said, there's nothing wrong with chasing a dream. And John Beeline did it. He did it with Detroit, said he would never go anywhere and that he wanted to finish his career at Michigan. And then the next year, Cleveland called. So you don't know how you're going to react. You might think one way at one point, and then a year later, I don't think anybody would say John Beeline you know, was a liar at that point. I think he thought, okay, this is where I want to be. 
But then after another taxing year where he's going to have to revamp his roster and he's on the road for 30 days, he's thinking, man, maybe the NBA, you know, isn't so bad, uh, especially for a guy with heart issues. And so to me, I don't blame him. Um, is this going to be an issue in the future? I think if he has another great year, NFL teams might be a little more interested because I think that's where the interest is going to come from, A.B. I think he will always have a little bit of interest at least, no matter what he says now. Uh, and again, I'm not calling him a liar, but uh, to me it's going to be whether or not the NFL is interested in him. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think it, it says a lot about still having that itch to coach in the pros that he was ready, literally ready to get on a plane to sign a contract as far as we're concerned to go take yep. what is probably in the next two to three years, maybe one of the tougher rebuilds in the league with what the Vikings have coming on. They have salary cap issues and Kirk Cousins and all that. So the fact that he was, you know, getting ready to jump ship for that would lend some credence to, yeah, you know, if the itch is there and the offer is there, he might go. Um, you know, I'm a little um, – I'm a little less kumbaya about all of the, oh, well, you know, let them chase the Like I, I wrote about this. There's nothing wrong with exploring your options and all of that. But um, at a certain point, it just, you know, we can't guarantee this won't happen again. And, and if you do have another great season and this does happen again, you know, I do worry about, are you just kind of treading water and not truly building towards, you know, taking that next step as a program. So it's, it's good that he's back. Glad that he's back. Um, was a little surprised the buyout wasn't a little bit wasn't a little bit higher, but Michigan's never really been a school that holds guys hostage and, and does business that way. So, um, you know, on the surface, to me, and and this isn't meant to sound like a negative or anything, but it's the fact of the matter is, I think both sides are kind of content with whatever the future holds, and nobody's going to hold each other hostage if either side wants to go in a different direction. So, um, as long as you win which is first and foremost, numero uno on the list, win and keep building and keep competing for Big Ten titles. People will, yeah, it's a unique situation. It's a weird situation. It's it's Michigan. It's Jim Harbaugh. No one else does business the way that they have been the last couple of years. But if you win football games and keep doing what they did this year, no one's going to care. It'll be, you know, he might be a weirdo, but the fans will say, well, he's our weirdo, and we embrace that. So just glad to have this all done and wrapped up with. Yeah, it's it's nice to be done with that. I, you know, when it comes to me, I I think I you know I take him at his word. Um, you know that this is what he wants to do and be at Michigan for the long haul. That could obviously change. You know, it, there's no guarantees. Um, but I would imagine if there's like some rumors that pop up next January, that there was probably a conversation that was like if, if rumors pop up again, you got to shoot them down unless you want to explore that. And you probably have to maybe step down before you explore it. Like, you can't go on another interview. Um, that would probably be the end of it, in my opinion. But we'll see. I, I don't think that we're going to be necessarily talking about it much more in the next month or two or three. Like, they're going to move on, and this is going to be all focused towards the 2022 season, as Jim Harbaugh on the John Jansen podcast really wanted to make that whole thing about, especially with spring ball right around the corner. And he said they haven't lost any momentum either which is interesting i started thinking about it because that was kind of the big topic of discussion oh they should have all this momentum from last year and i was like how much momentum did they really lose i mean were the guys not working out because he went to the vikings right. like we're uh he was still working he was still on the recruiting trails planning spring practice obviously getting some things together he was um interviewing defensive coordinator candidates and thinking through that search before he went on that interview so i think it's pretty minimal damage in terms of 
you know, obviously best case is that never happened. Right. Um, right. But but it happened. And, and here we are in spring ball. I think they wanted to get started pretty early. February 21st is the earliest I've ever seen. Uh, and, and they're going to hit the ground running here. It's crazy. Uh, and I'll say this, John Beeline, a strong opinion would have resigned had it gotten out that he had interviewed with the Cavs, even if he wasn't going to take the job, um, knowing that what he said last year, you know, you can't do it again and have anybody believe you. And then you're in trouble when it comes to recruiting. So uh, nobody's going to believe you. So that would have happened. So I agree with you, Clay, that if it happens again and a team shows serious interest, then Ward probably says, okay, you know, um, now I don't know if Jim will agree to that because he's got a contract, you know, and I don't think it says anywhere in the contract that he can't listen to NFL teams, but I don't dare them to fire him. (laughs) Right, exactly. But I don't, I I'll be honest. I don't think that, uh, Jim Harbaugh cheated the job at all. Well, with the exception, maybe of a day or two when he was preparing for the NFL job, you know, with Matt Weiss's help or so on and so forth. But you know what? Uh, time and money heals wounds. These assistant coaches, other than Josh Gaddis, who, who left for Miami, uh, these guys got paid more money. They are got promotions, two of them, Mike Hart and, uh, Sher- and uh, not Sharon Moore, but well, kind of Sharon Moore. He's going to be calling more plays, but uh, Steve Klinkscale. So I think they're going to be okay. And I think when, uh, when he came back and he said to me, guys, when he said Ben Herbert said this was the best week of his professional life after he saw those kids in the weight room and how motivated they were, I think that gets the juices flowing for coaches too. And they understand, A, there's a lot of talent in that room. B, I don't think there's going to be a huge drop-off between Mike McDonald and Jesse Minter, and we'll talk about the defensive coordinator here in a minute. Remember when we were talking about continuity, and that's why we thought Minter would be the guy? Well, that's exactly what Jim Harbaugh talked about. Exactly. It's exactly what Jim Harbaugh talked about yesterday. But uh, now I think there's an excitement, and it's palpable in that room again. You get Ronnie Bell back, one of your captains, uh, and you get Olu Oluwatimi in there, who's an absolute monster in the middle from what we've heard. And now instead of talking about how pissed off coaches are, you're talking about how guys are looking at repeating and that to me is a lot of fun yeah the one thing i'll say just to put a pin in the contract thing is that um i think despite what the optics of all of it are i do think that both harbaugh and ward have attempted to negotiate and do this all in good faith um you know just from a harbaugh perspective talking about if these nfl things surface again just just don't take advantage of that good faith. Cause I think that's when there starts to really be sour feelings. I do think that there's been kind of a power struggle in terms of, you know, who's uh, who's the mayor, so to speak, who, who runs things there. And it's been a little, a little bit of a back and forth the last couple of years. Um, Ward Manuel had his, his way last year, Jim Harbaugh went out and won games this year. And, and now it's just kind of come back together. Let's, let's move forward. This is a really good football team that they have coming back. A lot of guys, I mean, I've heard a ton about guys behind the scenes that are just fired up and, um, you know, there's been friendly competition behind the scenes, especially in terms of the quarterback stuff. So it's it's time to move forward. It's time to build towards next year because the way it all set, it sets up pretty nicely for them. So um, that work for next year doesn't start in September. It starts, it started the second the Orange Bowl ended. And it sounds like, at least from a player perspective, that it's been a very productive uh, you know, six or seven weeks since getting back from Florida. Yeah. And about that power struggle, I'm sure Ward Manuel is more than happy to have it back kind of balanced out because that means you won the big 10 last year and made the college football playoff, but it is about on his even playing field as we've seen it, right? Jim Harbaugh was basically the King when he came in, you know, then you had some, a little bit of struggles 
you know, Ward Manuel took over for Jim Hackett and all that. Then you had last year. Now you're kind of Harbaugh had all the leverage. It seemed like right after the season, but then once he goes to the interview, doesn't get the job, comes back. We're okay. They're looking eye to eye again. So it's it's very interesting to follow. It's pretty unique, uh, definitely. Um, coordinator spots, that's, Chris. That's you the mentioned nice word for it. What's that? Yes, that's yeah, the yeah. nice word for it is unique. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Jesse Minter comes in for the defense. Jim Harbaugh talked about that with Jansen. How, like you said, terminology is very similar. There'll be some different things that that he's going to have to introduce, and that's I think that's good too. I mean, he's got to have his own flair. Um, but he was familiar with that Raven system, which Mike McDonald basically started his system based off of that. So similar there, had some Power Five coordinating experience at Vanderbilt last year. So maybe a blessing in disguise, in my opinion, that. Michigan tried to hire him as a safeties coach a year ago. He gets a coordinator job. Now he's your coordinator with one more year of experience calling a defense. That's big. And as you mentioned, Sharon Moore on the offensive side of the ball looks like he'll call the run plays. Matt Weiss will call the pass plays, but there'll be a lot of collaboration during the week on the game plan. I like that. There's been similar setups under Jim Harbaugh in the past. People have said potentially too many cooks in the kitchen, but I guess we'll see how it works out. I feel like it was trending in this direction anyway with all these guys getting more responsibility regardless of whether or not Gaddis was here. So I think you feel pretty comfortable about it because there was a lot of collaboration a year ago too. Yeah, and I think it's Jim Harbaugh's offense at the end of the day, and we've seen it and we've talked to people nationally and uh, what he ran at Stanford, uh, and we've said it a million times. Instead of the fullbacks, he's using the tight ends to lead block. I love man ball, and I'm not going to apologize for it ever. Uh, I love running on 300 and something yards. Talk about emasculating a team like they did against Ohio State, uh, like Tim Biakabutuka did in the 90s, and then we saw Hassan Haskins and those guys do uh, back in, in November. Uh, I love winning that way. Now, uh, do you need to be diverse? Absolutely. And you need to have a better passing game if you want to win. Uh, let's be honest. It's probably going to be more of a shootout in Columbus this year. Um, you know, And give me a break about the snow flurries and all that crap. Okay, none of that. But I'm talking about um, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball as well. I think Ohio State will probably be a little bit more stout and fix some things. Uh, and you're going to have to do some more in the passing game to hang with a team like that. But I think they have the ability to do that with guys like J.J. McCarthy. And, you know, if Cade McNamara starts even and they've got elite receivers, not elite, but really good receivers, a great core. I think uh, when you add it all together, there's not that one guy that's going to be. Uh, you know, the guy that's the guys that are starting at Ohio State, but you've got a guy in Ronnie Bell who I think will be a thousand yard guy. So uh, I like the fact that it's a system and that Harbaugh is familiar with it. And it's not going to look like a hodgepodge, guys, like it did a couple of years ago when you're, you're throwing plays against the wall. OK, number two, Jesse Minter. Uh, I love the hire. And I said this one makes the most sense because uh, Larry Foote never made sense to me. And I like Larry Foote. But here's a guy who's never coached in college, never recruited, uh, likes it down south, likes the NFL, and would probably looking to be looking to get back. But you've got a guy here who was a Royals Award finalist for what he did at Georgia State, turning that defense around in one year. It was also like the Scout.com, I think it's defunct Scout.com, Recruiter of the Year back in 2015. He's got experience there. And again, it was him or McDonald, like Harbaugh said, AB on the podcast. He said it was one of those two guys. John said, pick one of them. Uh, so the other guy was 1B. And now he's 1A, and I love it. Um, he's going to have to – Jim Harbaugh called him nuances, and he's going to have to find some ways without elite defensive end play, in my opinion, to make this defense work, which makes it a little bit harder. So that's when, like you said, Clay, uh, when you've got some differences uh, to take into account, I think that's going to be it, and he's going to have to prove himself there. Celebrate the holidays.
Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Yeah, and starting with Minter, I'll go opposite and talk about the offense in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing the thing about Mike McDonald, one of the big feathers in his cap is that he was he was part of a Ravens staff that sort of revamped its defense to, um, you know, under Wink Martindale. They started bringing pressure from different areas, from other levels of the defense instead of just the defensive line. So um, I think the biggest thing with, you know, the continuity of it is, you know, this will work if Minter is as, you know, scheme flexible as McDonald was, which I, you know, again, one A and one B, I have no reason to think that's, that's going to be a big part of it. Like they are going to put their players that they have in a position to succeed. And they probably still do need to, I wonder if they'll let spring football play out before deciding if they're going to dip in the transfer portal for edge rushers or just depth at any of those spots. But, you know, I like having guys that, you know, again, not to, not to crap on the job that Don Brown did, but it was, this is my scheme. This is what we run and we're going to run, run it aggressively and angrily. Whereas, you know, McDonald, we saw in one year, it was, Hey, if you zig, we're going to zag and we're going to, we're going to put our, our chess pieces in a spot to succeed. Like look at, for example, some of the sub package stuff they did with Mike Barrett. So I, I like, I like the hire. Um, I feel similarly to it that I did to McDonald's hire last year and that, you know, it seems like on paper, it could be a good move. Um, and I'm just excited to see it play out on the field offensively. No, no disrespect to Josh Gaddis, but I don't think Michigan loses any of its identity by him walking out the door. In fact, I think it kind of allows them to not only double down on it, but maybe go in some different directions. We've heard a lot about Matt Weiss being this confidant that's in Jim Harbaugh's ear and someone he thinks very highly of. Now that he's in a co-coordinator role, I almost wonder, you know, the last couple off seasons, Michigan has taken these steps to, it seems like become more like the Baltimore Ravens or the Baltimore Ravens of, of college. Um, and I think they do that because not only he respects the job his brother's done, but Jim Harbaugh wants to win a championship and his brothers won a championship. So that recipe is not the worst way to go. But I wonder, you know, when we start talking about quarterbacks and the quarterback battle and all that, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with JJ and Kate. Obviously, I feel like they're in a good spot, whoever comes out of that. But when you start to look at the Ravens influence that, you know, a guy like Weiss could have, it's almost you almost wonder if maybe they start looking at some more Lamar Jackson film in terms of how can we use J.J. McCarthy this way, especially when your run game is going to look a lot different because you don't have that Hassan Haskins guy right now. So, you know, I wonder, I think the QB runs will be more of the offense uh, next year. I think that both of those backs are going to be on the field at the same time uh, with McCarthy. I think that was some of their better looks throughout uh, the stretch run of the season. And then it all starts up front. I mean, Sherrod Moore, I mean, well, it's going to, Andrew Stuber's a pro. That's going to be a hard guy to replace, but, um, with Oluwatimi, that's an All-American. That's a Remington guy. You're going to plug right into the middle of your offensive line. You're, both your guards are back. Your starting left tackles back. I mean, offensively, staying in house and keeping 
on the trajectory that they were on last year, um, I think was the right move. And, you know, last year was a pretty good foundation. Now I think with all these guys coming back, you can start peeling back those layers a little bit more and throw some different looks in there. And I like Carson Barnhart at right tackle too with uh, Tronte Jones as well. They've got depth guys that have played. So uh, I'm excited guys. You know, it's amazing to me that spring ball is starting on Monday and that they're going to have a spring game and that fans are going to be able to go. We'll be up there in the press box, nice and warm. Uh, You know, I hope it's, you know, for at least in the forties for those people sitting outside. (laughs) That's right. And hopefully tailgate before sounds like we got some people, on our great message board, uh, trying to organize some of that. So that's going to be super fun. We'll stop by, of course, uh, for that. And yeah, the other staff changes Jim Harbaugh made that kind of flew a little bit more under the radar to the coordinator stuff. I mean, Ron Bellamy moving to wide receivers that came with the Gattis thing. Uh, that was something that we had talked about when we did our reaction right after the Gattis news happened. Grant Newsom loved that move, promoting him to tight ends coach. Jay Harbaugh moving to the defensive side of the ball. Man, he's just going to coach every single position. And Jim Harbaugh talked about that too, where he's building a resume very similar to John Harbaugh's and that he can coach both sides of the ball, special teams, all that. So if he's willing to do it, man, you know, I think he'll do a good job. And I think it's going to help to have Steve Klinkscale in the back end with him, promotion, uh, promotion for him, promotion for Mike Hart, as you mentioned, Chris. Um, so the staff is now intact, as you said, rolling into spring ball. Anything else on spring practice? Obviously, the storylines are quarterback, replacing that production, you know, on defense. And basically, like, hey, getting Ronnie Bell back and Donovan Edwards' bigger role, Blake Corum' bigger role. Uh, I'm pretty excited here. It feels like, you know, I mean, basketball is ramping up a little bit, but it's like, man, I almost can't wait for September 3rd. Yeah, and I, I love the NCAA tournament. And yeah. I love covering the NCAA tournament. So it's great to have the balance, basketball and football, uh, like it's been. So, um, you know, two coaches of the year, uh, it's going to be fun. I think you nailed all the hot points there and uh we've heard great things about the competition at running back and and in the quarterback room in the offseason how hard those guys were pushing each other guys that's what it takes to build a champion so that excites me so let's talk about some hoops man uh pretty interesting game last night yeah no doubt so michigan picks up an 84 79 win at iowa in a game that ab you wrote that article i think two days ago right that was the toughest remaining game on michigan's schedule which surprises me especially in hindsight, which is hindsight bias, but it's like, man, you know, Iowa has beaten up on all these bad teams, but they really don't have many good wins. Michigan's resume, I know they're a little lower in the net still, is a little better than Iowa's, in my opinion, at this point, other than a couple bad losses. But Michigan needed that win. I said going into this two-game road stretch, you got to steal one, and then you can win three out of four of your home games, and I think you're in a good spot heading into Indianapolis. You got six left now. They're all tough including that Rutgers home game, which looks more tough than you ever thought it was going to be two weeks ago. They have four straight wins over top 17 opponents, but this team's trending in the right direction. They've quietly won seven out of 10. And I feel like, you know, it's not just like they're trending in the right direction anymore. They're actually pretty good. When you look at all the metrics and, and how they're playing, defense is getting better. It's still not quite there, but the offense has been elite over the last three weeks. It's ranks fifth on T-Rank's offensive efficiency, and that's with inconsistent shooting, including last night. So, uh, you know, I feel pretty good about this team down the stretch. I think at this point I'd I'd put them in the tournament. I can take that. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, I'm guys like, yeah, go for it, A.B. I'm starting to freeze up here. (laughs) All right, no worries. Um, 
Yeah, that was a but, huge win. And when you look at the article from the other day, how, you know, this is again, it was with a grain of salt because it's just using Kempom's efficiency, um, you know, the efficiency metrics. And you look at Iowa's resume and they've kind of racked up the resume that they had going into that game by beating up on bad teams, being super efficient against bad teams. Um, you know, when I look at this schedule, I mean, I see games. I mean, Sunday, Wisconsin, you play Rutgers next week. You got Illinois, Michigan State, Iowa again, Ohio State. Um, That is not the toughest opponent over these next six games here. Uh, But what it did, I mean, it was a game you really weren't supposed to win regardless. I I don't think Vegas had them favored at all. So it's one of those things where you kind of stole one. And I don't even think, you you look at the outside shooting in particular, like they didn't play particularly well, but – I mean, they did play well enough to get a win, obviously, but that's that wasn't their best basketball game st- still. Um, thank God for Musa Diabate and Hunter Dickinson, who as a duo are, were as good as they've been all season in that game. So now you're looking at, you know, really since, um, like you said, those, these last 10 games, um, can't quite say they flipped the switch. There's been some inconsistent and, and steps back there, um, like Michigan State, uh, the Ohio State game over the weekend, but you know, all of a sudden you look at this, this stretch, you know, moving forward here, we've talked about how all it really takes is one good week of big 10 basketball to put yourself in a really good spot. And Michigan was on the verge of a great week last week. If they would have gotten that Ohio state game. You're looking at, you know, you're on a four game win streak and, you know, maybe you have an outside shot at grabbing, you know, 20 wins if things break the right way. But uh, didn't it didn't go that way? You know, you got this one at Iowa. The biggest thing you needed to do was avoid going 0-2. So they got that out of the way. You get this game at Wisconsin on Sunday, and it's you know, you know, people get annoyed by the coach speak, but you know, when Juwan says with this group it's one game at a time, I truly feel like it's one game at a time because you do not know on a given night still, even with how they've played recently, which team is going to show up, especially from a shooting perspective. So if you can find a way to go out. And, and follow up that loss to Ohio State with a pair of road wins in, this week, I mean, that's huge. Because you have another one of those, I believe, three games and five-night stretches coming up here with Illinois, Michigan State, and Iowa all at home. So um, pile as many of these together as you can. I feel like 17 wins going into the Big Ten tournament probably means you need to grab another win or two there. I feel like if you can get to 18 before the end of the regular season, which would mean going four and two, I feel pretty good about this. Uh, but you know, it's still, they're still there, right. Kind of on the edge um, need some more wins to string together. The Purdue game, I don't think is enough to just give them, you know, the resume that they should be in. So a lot of work to still do, but you have to love the fight and a, a huge step in the right direction. You with us CB? He's completely frozen. Okay. Well, I'll just, okay. I am. <laughs> He's still kind of choppy. I'll, I'll just add this. When you look at End AB. It. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> What's that? Um, AB, when you talk about work to still do, I completely agree. I think they need at least three more wins. But I think the benefit Michigan has, it's a blessing yeah. and a curse, but you have some really opp- big opportunities to pick up some marquee wins here, quad one wins. Whereas if you're in the ACC right now and you're trying to pick those up, they're not there to be had remaining on your schedule. The Big Ten – and especially Michigan's schedule with the way it's set up has really provided some good opportunities down the stretch, I think, to boost that resume. Like you said, not going to be easy even at home against those teams, but to get one on the road and then, you know, that kind of feels like you're ahead of schedule now and you stole one 
as Chris is, uh, you know, completely logged off now. Um, technical difficulties <laughs> there, so we'll wrap up. But like to steal one, I think, and now you're finally not just staying afloat. You're a little on the right side of things, I think. And I think um, if you could steal the one on Sunday against Wisconsin, you're probably looking at. I think they'd get a buy. Like they wouldn't even have to play in the first four, in my opinion. But again, you still have to win more. Um, anything on this Wisconsin game or, or hoops the rest of the way as we wrap up this duo podcast, this two-person pod? I mean, crazily enough, um, you know, I'll dive into some of the Wisconsin stuff later on today. But you know, they're only, and this isn't me providing false hope. They're only two games behind Purdue for you know first place in the Big Ten. Uh, but more specifically. They're only a game and a half out of one of those top four seeds with, you know, they're going to play a lot of these teams coming up. So if you can find a way to get rolling, all of a sudden it's, it's there for you. I still think, you know, I think most projections I've seen kind of have them in that first four out. I would agree with that. I think you still need, um, you know, three and three, I think is going to keep you on the bubble. Anything less than that, that maybe we're talking, we're having a different conversation. I think if you can come out of these next six games at four and two, then grab the, a win, you know, grab one win in the Big Ten tournament. I think you're going to be in good shape. I think 19 is probably, I would say 19 is probably the magic number for them to feel safe about getting in. So, okay. I, I feel like they should feel okay at 17 just with some of the quality there, but 19, I'd say, I mean, they might be a nine or, you know. So I'm, yeah, I'm saying 19 after the Big Ten tournament. So okay. resumes are done in the books. Um, yeah, because 19, that would mean, you know, going five and one down the stretch here. And I, I just, I don't, you have four four home games. Um, and the one thing I'll say, you know, again, this is where we talk about grain of salt. Yesterday technically was what Kempom considered Michigan's most difficult remaining game. Well, it's most, e- you know, it's easiest remaining game. Yeah. They say is Rutgers at home on the on February 23rd. Rutgers is playing the best basketball out of anyone in the Big Ten right now. So don't put a whole lot of stock into that. It's just, you know. It's worth, it's an analytical thing just worth looking at. But um, you got to play these games. And on a given night, you can beat anyone. And like we saw, you know, you don't want them to slip. But like we saw earlier in the year, like a game against Minnesota, that first game against Rutgers, you can lose to anyone on a given night too. So it's important to stay focused. Um, You know, I think it's the damage they can do over these next three games, I, I think is really important just to see, um, you know, those three games in five days stretches. I mean, that's tough. I really do think that fatigue costs them a game at, against Ohio state. So rack up as many as, the, as you can before, you know, we get to the 27th, March 1st and March 3rd, and then go from there. We'll see what happens. But I, I like, I like where it's heading overall. I agree. And last thing for me is just a shout out to Kobe Bufkin for, uh, finally being a bench guy to step up. They still got outscored by the uh, Iowa bench, which is now eight straight games, the bench being outscored. But he added a spark, and they, I don't think they win that game without him. So uh, a credit to him for stepping up, and maybe they can get some more production out of him and some other guys uh, going forward. But, yeah, enjoy the game, everyone, on Sunday. We'll talk to everybody next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.